O great son of man, man with the nail-scarred hands, Lord of the Sabbath, come and meet us now through your word and through this table. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts truly be acceptable, pleasing in your sight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take my yoke upon you. When a promising young man in Jesus' day who desired to study under a master rabbi so that he could someday become a rabbi himself, when he heard those words spoken to him by the master rabbi, he would rejoice greatly. Because that meant that having completed and excelled in his training and schooling at the local synagogue, and having been thoroughly examined and questioned, he had been accepted for study. Accepted into theological seminary, you might say. That meant that now he would leave his family and his community and his synagogue and he would go and he would sit at the feet of the master rabbi like Paul sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. And he would study with the master rabbi and travel with him and he would go and follow him wherever he went. And the next few years of his life would be extremely rigorous and difficult, but how glad he was to have heard the master rabbi say those words. And it's in that context that that Jesus, like a rabbi, speaks to those of us and to those that were there that day who have come to him and found rest. He speaks to us and he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. But do we rejoice greatly when we hear him say that? We have a problem with yokes, don't we? And there are places in the scripture where yokes are associated with slavery. And that's what we tend to think of First off, when we think of yokes, yokes that enslave us, that constrain us and weigh us down. Of course, Jesus assures us that his yoke isn't like that. My yoke is easy. It fits, and my burden is light. And if you'll willingly submit to it, he says, you will find rest for your souls. Yet, we're still reluctant to believe him. A yoke that's easy, a burden that's light, it's another oxymoron, yes, like jumbo shrimp or virgin birth or downtown Wilmore. (laughs) As a Wilmoron, I just had to get that in. But, but is it really true? Is it really true? Jesus insists that it is. 
take my yoke upon you, he says. Submit to my lordship, my authority, my way. In willing and glad surrender to me, find perfect freedom and joy and rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's in the context of this invitation to us from Jesus to bear his yoke that I want us to think about Sabbath this morning. Interestingly, I had never noticed this before until I was preparing this message, but do you know what immediately follows this wonderful, oft-quoted invitation of Jesus? Oftentimes we just hear the words, come unto me and take my yoke, but immediately after this are two incidents where the Pharisees confront Jesus about what they consider to be unlawful things that he is doing or is allowing to have to be done on the Sabbath. We read about one of them in the scripture walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath. The disciples are hungry and they pluck and eat some of the heads of grain. And the Pharisees are upset that Jesus lets them do that. And then right after that, right after that, it's there in the text. He goes on to the synagogue himself on the same Sabbath. And, and now Jesus makes matters even worse because the, the Pharisees believed it was unlawful to heal on the Sabbath. And if there was a man there with a withered hand. And Jesus said to the man to stretch, to, he commanded him, he said to him, stretch it out. And Jesus healed it, and it was restored, the scripture says, immediately, as sound as the other. Well, that act of healing sends the Pharisees into a rage, in fact, such a rage that we're told in the text that they go out and start plotting on how they can kill Jesus. Now, we know that the Pharisees had taken the fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment, and in their zeal for the law, had turned it into a legalistic nightmare. So that a commandment which was supposed to be an invitation to blessing and rest had become indeed a yoke of slavery, a heavy, burdensome, exhausting chore. We laugh at some of the crazy Sabbath rules they had come up with. Try Googling Pharisee Sabbath rules and you'll find quite an assortment of things that will come up. And For example, you were allowed to eat radishes on the Sabbath, but you were warned against dipping them into salt because if you left them in the salt too long, they would start to pickle. And pickling, well, that was considered to be work, and so it was considered to be Sabbath-breaking. In fact, the Pharisees engaged in long discussions about how long it actually took before a radish started pickling. Well, enough about that. In, in both these instances, Jesus challenges and he rebukes the Pharisees and he declares that he, the Son of Man, is Lord of the Sabbath and in the second incident, he says that on the Sabbath, 
it is good and right and proper to do things that result in human betterment like healing the man's hand. But here, here's the point this morning I, I don't want to miss, and I, I didn't consult Dr. Bauer or any of our IBS gurus about this, but isn't this an example of the structural law of particularization? I mean, right after the general statement, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, come two particular examples that illustrate that Christ's yoke really is easy and light and fitting in comparison with the yoke of the Pharisees, which truly is a yoke of slavery, burdensome yoke, his yoke results in human freedom and in human flourishing. In other words, I think Matthew has put these Sabbath stories here right after these, this wonderful statement of Jesus to demonstrate and to show us and to tell us that, yes, what he says is really true. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light, and it leads to rest for your soul. So trust him. Trust him when he says that. And Jesus says, learn of me, for I am humble and gentle. I, I have no desire to exert oppressive power and control over you. I'm not out to dominate and subjugate you. Don't be afraid of my yoke. It's not a yoke of slavery. No, it's a yoke that leads to your freedom and flourishing. Yes, even rest for your soul. So take my yoke upon you. Now, how does all this, pray tell, relate to us today? Especially to the issue that we are focusing on in our seminary community throughout the semester, and particularly during these Wednesday chapels during this Lenten season, namely the importance of Sabbath, the practice of Sabbath in our lives as believers and as Christian leaders today. Well, let me tell you how. Jesus is still Lord of the Sabbath. And he wants Sabbath in our lives to be a means of finding rest for our souls. And his call and invitation to Sabbath is a part of his yoke, which is easy, and his burden, which is light. But the question is, are we heeding his invitation? Are we responding to his call? As Christians today, particularly those of us in North America, our problem right now at least is not that we'll turn Sabbath practice into legalism, is it? I mean, there was a time when that might have been the case, and some of us here are old enough to remember encountering Sabbath legalism, but not anymore. Our problem is that in an age that has made an idol out of work and worships at the altar of productivity and efficiency and thrives on busyness, will ignore Sabbath and neglect it altogether. And sad to say, that's exactly what many Christian leaders do. 
when you say to the typical ATS seminary student or to the typical local church pastor or Christian leader or staff member, tell me about your Sabbath practice. You're likely to get a sort of blank deer in the headlights look. And then maybe followed by a response that maybe goes something like this. Well, you know, it's a great concept. It's a great concept. But it's really a luxury that I can't afford. I mean, there's, there's no way I can do that right now. You, man, you have no idea how much work I've got to do and all the things that are on my plate right now, taking a Sabbath each week, a day of rest, moving from 24-7 to 24-6, as Matthew Sleeth likes to say. That's utterly impossible. I can't do that right now. Maybe in the future, but not now. But growing out of this text, the point that I want to make this morning is simply this. It all comes down to the issue of trust. Who are you going to trust to see that what needs to get done gets done? And who are you going to trust with the things that don't get done? Jesus or yourself? Do you trust him when he says to you this morning that his yoke is easy? and his burden is light. Do you believe he knows what he's doing? Can you trust him with your work as a seminary student, as a professor, as an administrator or a staff member, as a church leader or as a pastor? Or will you go on insisting on trusting in yourself, relying on yourself? I made a decision uh, sometime between 15 to 20 years ago that whenever I was home from Saturday evening to Sunday evening, I would do no seminary-related work. You know, no emails, no grading papers, no preparation, no getting ready for committees or, no. But that in addition, in addition to worship on Sunday morning, I would devote that 24-hour period to rest, relaxation, reflection, recreation, and relationships. You know, time and again, as Saturday evening has approached, I've thought, so much on my plate right now, so much I've got to do. I am so behind right now, Lord. I don't have time for this. And think about all I could get done. Well, I could tell you that Sabbath practice has helped me order my life and manage my time more effectively, and it certainly has. To, get, to take Sabbath, you've got to get ready for it. It forces you 
to manage your time better. It certainly has, but, but above all, above all, it has forced me sometimes to live by faith, to trust Jesus more and to find that he's trustworthy. And I've discovered over these last years that he's not just Lord of the, the Sabbath. He is the Lord of all time. And with him a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And, and when you let him be Lord of your time, the practice of tithing has taught me to let him be Lord of my money. But the practice of Sabbath has taught me to be, let him be Lord of my time. You know, it, it's all about time and money, isn't it? Go figure. And when you let him be Lord of your time, just as you let him be Lord of your money, he, he turns, he will turn less into more. Everything that needs to get done will get done. He'll give that time back to you. And somehow, when you're doing nothing, or so it seems, the kingdom of God manages to survive without you. You may be less productive, but you'll be a lot more fruitful. Less stressed, more attentive, and a whole lot more fun to live with. It's all about trust. It's, it's all, will I trust my work, my life, my ministry, my GPA to Jesus, or will I trust in myself? I don't know about you, but I find it difficult to trust in Jesus. My comfort zone, my default is trusting in myself, trusting in my ability to get things done. You know, doing things according to my timetable, living with the prideful illusion that it all depends on me. Practicing Sabbath causes me to assume a posture of trust. It, it teaches me to live by faith. Yes, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And through it, we find rest for our souls. I wonder, do you believe that enough that you'll engage in a concrete practice that demonstrates that you believe it? It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise and to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I've trust him. How I've proved him more, or and or, 
Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, call for grace to trust you more. He's known to us in the breaking of the bread, isn't he? Come to the table today to repent of your lack of trust and renew your trust in him. Let me close this morning with some words about trust from the prophet Jeremiah. I'm working my way this year slowly through Jeremiah. Last 10 verses of chapter 17, the prophet stands in the gates of Jerusalem and tells the people to stop working on the Sabbath. Stop making it a day of commerce and busyness and activity and make it a day of rest and keep it holy. But listen to what Jeremiah says a few verses earlier, verses 5 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought, their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. The word of God for the people of God. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And you will find rest for your souls. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.